I um, I'm going to talk a little bit about children today. I hope that's all right. Got the microphone, so I guess it has to be. But uh, the Lord's been dealing with my heart about this, and it just seemed fitting today with dedicating the child. These are things we don't necessarily spend a lot of time on. Um, so today will probably be more teaching than preaching. Now, if you are here. And you say, well, I don't have children, or my children are grown up mostly, or they're all the way grown up, or so I don't know that I really need to hear all this. Uh, stay with me. We're going to make a turn, and uh, I'll tell you, you do need to hear it, uh, because I'm going to share with you the word of the Lord, and you're going to see, we're going to see how it applies not only to our children, but to our own lives. One of the greatest responsibilities we have in this life is the day that we become a dad or a mom. One of the greatest responsibilities. I believe with every ounce of my being that I am going to have to answer to God for how I've raised my children. I believe I'm going to have to give an answer to him for how I raised them. Because he gave them to me. He entrusted them to my care. Now, what they do when they're on their own, they're now accountable to God. But I'm accountable until they're of age to make wise decisions or until they're of age to make their own decisions. Would you go with me today to the book of Proverbs? We're going to read quite a bit of scripture. And I'll just tell you right now, the word may offend you today. Everybody say, help me, Lord. You know, sometimes it's easy to, in our day and time, we live in an hour where, unfortunately, many have gone to a place of trying to pick only the scriptures that are comforting and feel good and make everybody feel great. And we skip over the ones we don't like. Ethan and I were watching a clip yesterday talking about that very concept. I want the whole word of God, don't you? And I have a responsibility to declare to you the whole word of God. Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs 22. We will have our, uh, we've got all the technical stuff done, wiring and all that got finished up yesterday, got all that wired in. Um, and we've got a, a mount that's coming, we'll get. So next Sunday, Lord willing, we will. Uh, You'll have words and stuff on screens and walls. So thanks for your patience that way. Hopefully you're learning your way around your Bible if you didn't already know it. I sort of like people carrying a Bible. That's sort of nice. If you're on your phone, I hope you're not texting. Praise God. I, I really do always assume the best. If I see you on your phone and I see you like doing all this while, while somebody's speaking, I'm just like, man, they're really taking a lot of notes. This must really be getting somewhere. 
If you're not, may the Lord cause your phone to start work, stop working. Praise God. Praise God. Would you pray with me again? I think the Holy Ghost really wants to talk to us today. I want to hear, don't you? Jesus, we thank you for your word. I thank you for this precious people. I pray that you would minister among us here this morning. Give us ears to hear and a heart to receive. I pray open our understanding of these scriptures and write with your finger upon the tables of our heart. Impart to us wisdom that flows from you. Grant us, I pray, counsel of you, the wonderful counselor. Instruct us today, O oh God, by this your great word. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said amen. I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture today. Uh, we will stay in the book of Proverbs for most of it. So if you're worried about trying to find it all, you'll be okay. Proverbs 22 and verse number 6. It says this. Train up. Everybody say train up. Train up a child in the way. Everybody say in the way. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I think it's important to note the scripture there does not say teach a child the way he should go. The scripture does not say instruct a child in the way they should go. The scripture is very clear. The scripture says to train up a child. Now, you could probably guess this. I've never worked with a personal fitness trainer. Or maybe you think I do. I don't know. To train someone, anybody ever do any training on the job? Ever have someone train you or you train someone else? I don't know how that worked for you. Any training I've done or someone training me, I learn best by somebody showing me and then letting me do it and then sort of telling me, no, change this. No, let me show you. And that anybody ever gone through that? That's called training. Training involves the participation of the trainer. If it's just a person instructing, directing, telling, that's not training, that's lecturing. The writer of the Proverbs said, train up a child. To train is to come alongside, to example, to show, to help them to see, no, son, this isn't how you do it. Let me show you, this is how you do it. Right? When I was younger, I haven't heard it so much anymore, but when I was younger, uh, not necessarily in my home, but other places I would hear this, do as I say, not as I do. Well, that sounds good, but that's not training. You can say that to your child till you're blue in the face, 
Ultimately, your child is going to do what they see you do. They may do what you say while you're around to say it. But when you're not around, they're going to do what you do. Children learn by example. We are called by the word of God to train up a child in the way they should go. If I want a child that prays, if you want a child that prays, they should see and hear you praying. If you want a child that knows it's important to be in the house of God and be a part of the body of Christ and to receive the word of the Lord, then they have to see you in the house of God. They have to see you making it important. They have to see you knowing and showing this is a value. As a parent, what you place value on, your child will place value on. Plain and simple. If it's important to you, it'll be important to them. Why? Because children grow up, when they're small anyway, they want to be like dad or be like mom. They want to please dad and please mom. They look to dad. They look to mom. I want to do like dad. I want to do like... What are they doing? They're modeling what they see. You're training. And whatever you're doing, one way or the other, you are training. You are setting an example. You are Now, I could tell my kid, don't speed when you drive. You'll get a ticket and they cost money. You may say, well, I can pay for it, but the insurance is where it eats your lunch. Don't do it. But every time the child's in the car with me, I'm like 25 over the speed limit. I'm like, you know, driving like crazy. And they're like, Dad, you know what they're going to do when they get in the car and I'm not there? They're going to do exactly what I did. Well, Dad does it. Why? Because I'm training up a child. I'm training up a child. We're talking about things far more important than driving a car, of course. The writer of the Proverbs said something very specifically. Train up a child in the way he should go. He's talking about training a child for direction for his life. The way he should go. The direction he should take. The course he should follow. The path he should walk on. Train up a child in the way they should go. And then when they're old, they won't depart from it. If you and I as parents don't establish a path and a direction for our children while they're young, well, I don't know that we cannot establish one. We're establishing one one way or the other. You understand this, right? We are establishing a path one way or the other. What path are you establishing? Deuteronomy 6 says, we know this, right? Sorry, i got to switch devices. The goofy thing about this is they turn off. And I don't want to deal with a password again. Deuteronomy 6 is very 
critical to us because we know, of course, Deuteronomy 6 and 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and Him only shalt thou serve. And if you keep reading down through Deuteronomy 6, you read things like, And you shall teach this to your children when they rise up. And you shall teach this to your children when they lie down. He's saying, hey, in the morning when they get up, this is what you need to be teaching. And when they go to bed, this is what you need to be teaching. And oh, by the way, you should put it on the doorposts of your house. And you should put it on the bedposts in your house. What are they saying? Your children, when they come, when they go, when they get up, when they go to bed, it's important that they learn this thing, that there is one Lord, and that they should serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. Why are they teaching the children that? You know, I mean, they're kids. Let them be kids. When they're older, we'll teach them that stuff. Because if you don't teach a child the way they should go, when they're old, they won't have direction for their life. Train up a child in the way they should go. Scripture is very clear. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. Scripture also says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. What makes the difference for a child? A mom and a dad that have a relationship with God that says, I will, by the grace of God, by the enabling power of God, by the help of God, I will train up my child in the way they should go. And here's what happens. That child, as they grow older, sure the enemy's going to pull. Sure the adversary's going to try to do things. But that child has grown up knowing the way. Now I've seen stability in my home because dad held to the word of God. I've seen stability in my home because mom continued in prayer day after day. Was my home perfect? No way. But mom and dad had a pattern that they put one thing above everything else. I know where God was in our home. I know where the house of God was in our home. I know where the word of God was in our home. I know where the body of Christ stood in our home. I know how the man of God was held in our home. All of those things are training up a child. If they're important to you and you're exampling it, they'll be important to your children. And when they grow old, they'll walk in the way. They'll walk in the way. They'll know where your strength came from. Do you draw your strength from Him or outside sources? They'll know what feeds you. Does He feed you by His Spirit and Word or do other things feed you? They'll know what satisfies you. They'll know what motivates you. And they'll follow mine and your example. Now, hear me this morning. I'm not naive. Completely anyway. I'm in the room. And I'm like some of you in here with me in that my kids are pretty much grown. 
And the enemy would like to come along and say, what, what do I do now? Can I go back? Can I go back? No, we can't go back. But we can pray. We can pray. And we can begin doing things in the right way. No situation's too far gone for God. So don't let the word of God bring condemnation today. Let it bring us, if need be, to a place of repentance and correction and going forward the right way. But if you're blessed with young children, hear the word of God today. Brother T.F. Tenney always said this, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And that's very true of our homes and with our children. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. You know, my, my children will learn more about marriage from watching me and my wife and listening to my wife and I than they will anything I can share with them or teach them. They're going to learn by what they see. I don't like telling you this, but let's be a little transparent this morning. Is that all right? There's times where I've had to get my kids all together and sit them down in a room, and I've had to say, look, the way you heard me speak to your mom wasn't right. I was out of order. I should have never spoke to her that way. I'm asking her to forgive me, and I'm asking you to forgive me. shouldn't have been that way. Why would I do that? I don't want them to think, should the Lord tarry and they get married, I don't want my sons to think they could speak, that it's right to speak to their wife that way. And I don't want my daughter to think that it would be right, should she marry? I don't know if she should, but should, no. Y'all are still listening. Brother Joey gave me an amen back there. That's what I'm talking about. Sorry. we. But I, I don't want my daughter thinking it's okay for her husband to speak to her that way. But they also understand that as a father, I have to ask for forgiveness sometimes. These things matter. What is it? It's training up a child. It's training up a child. If time with my wife is important to me, my children are going to see that. If I'm having to work a lot and my wife's writing me off, my children are going to see her writing me off too. See, there's multiple sides to every coin. And so if she starts running me in the ground, my kids are going to hear that too. Train up a child in the way. Teach them the way. Show them the way. I thank God, I thank God that my mom and dad that raised me, our home was far from perfect, you've heard some stories, but I thank God that the one thing my mom and dad did is every time the doors were open, we were in church. And they put some guards around us as children. I can tell you growing up, we never, we never, had a television in our home. Why? My parents drew a line in the sand. Said we're not exposed and we're not even given. I wasn't raised by Sesame Street or any of that stuff. 
I don't know if Bert and Ernie were what or what. I don't know. I mean, I heard of them. I knew, but I wasn't raised by that. They were training up a child in the way he should go. And so you know what happened when I went through difficulty as a child in my life as a family? Because we went through some difficult stuff. I would just go to my room, shut the door, bury my face in the pillow, and cry out to God. It was the only way that I knew. I thank God for that. Parents, train them up in the way they should go. We took a whole lot longer on that one verse than I thought, but here we go. Proverbs 13. Everybody still love me so far? We're good, amen. Proverbs 13, verse 24. I'll let you get there. I'm going to read through several versions at different times today, but here we go. Listen to what the scripture says. He that spareth his rod hateth, that's a strong word, his son. But he that loveth him Chasten him betimes. Read it to you in the Bible in basic English. He who keeps back his rod is unkind to his son. That's a softer, gentler word, unkind, instead of hate. By the way, the Hebrew word is hate. The loving father gives punishment with care. English Standard Version. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. We're in a, we're in a world where discipline, discipline of children has gotten softer and softer. Now, hear me this morning. I'm not going to give you a lot of disclaimers today. I'm going to trust that you know me. And you know the spirit with which I speak today. In no way, shape, form, fashion, manner of any such type do I ever condone the beating to the point of physical abuse of a child. Ever. No excuse. I believe the Lord gave my children a backside with purpose. And when they were little, its purpose was, there was a reason it was about the size of my hand. And they felt the hand of the father every once in a while along the journey. I, the scripture is clear about this. If I spare the rod, I hate my son or my daughter. And we there was a book when I was younger that was written by a guy named Dr. Benjamin Spock. It's gone past its day now, but it was really popular when I was a little bit younger, uh, before my wife and I had children. He wrote this whole book about raising children, and he was against, uh, what do we call it? Is this called corporal punishment when you spank them? Yeah. He was against it completely. Gave all these reasons why. I think it was sort of the first introduction of time out. I don't know that for a fact, but I think that's where it started. 
this idea of discipline. And, and if you use timeout, I'm sure that has, I, right? I used to have to sit down and not move. That's the same as timeout. If I moved, I got a spanking, right? So <laughs> I learned not to move, right? Not because I minded sitting there because I didn't want to spank it. But uh, it's interesting. He wrote this book that began to remove corporal punishment from homes. And uh, the interesting thing about this book that was, I mean, it was like a bestseller. It became like sort of the litmus test for parenting, Dr. Benjamin Spock. The amazing thing about it that people never took the time to really figure out was that Dr. Spock never had children of his own. But everybody was reading his book. I think we can have a lot more faith in the book. Than, and I'm not against reading books. When, when our children were born, one of the first books we bought was by Dr. James Dobson, The Strong-Willed Child. Whew, I needed that book. I recommend that book. It was a good book. It helped me along the journey. But there is a re- there's a reason that the Scripture teaches us these things. Proverbs 19 and 18. You can go there. You understand where we read in Proverbs 13. He that spareth the rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him. Correction of a child with a rod of correction should always be done in love. Love is the motivator for the correction. Not anger. Not You're not going to embarrass me like that. Love. I, I remember. I think I was like probably four or five-ish. Somewhere right in there. Uh, no, would have been six. Six years old, I was no longer allowed to sleep in church. Oof. Man, I, I learned quickly. Uh, I, I don't recommend the method that was used with me, but I would get woke up when I dozed off in church. And... By, by six years old, I guess my parents figured, you know what, you're old enough to go. To, it must have been five because I guess my parents figured, you know what, you're old enough to go to school and you can sit in the classroom. I, we didn't have half-day kindergarten when I was a kid. They still do that now, half-days? No, it's all day. Okay. So we had all-day kindergarten. We did get a nap, but the nap was always in the afternoon. I had a little red and blue mat that folded out. Anybody remember this? Yeah. Anyway, I'm digressing. And so, but... We went to, and I guess my parents figured, you know what, you can go to school and you can sit there with a teacher. You can come to church and you can worship and sing and you can sit for 35, 45 minutes, heaven forbid, an hour, and listen to the ministry of the Word of God. You know what they were teaching me? The Word of God's important. We're not just showing up there and passing time. Listen, Joey, that's what they call him, that's five, right? They were exampling to me, if you're old enough to hear, you're old enough to hear the word. You may not understand it all, but I want you to know you need to be listening to the word of God. That's the man or the woman of God. They've been praying and digging in the word to bring what you're going to hear today. At an early age, I was learning, there's some reason this matters to my parents. There's some reason they won't let me crawl on the floor and color. There's some reason they want me listening to the word of God. They were teaching me these things. What were they doing? They were training up a child. 
They were training up a child. It was love. Proverbs 19, verse 18. I'm going to hurry or we're never going to get through this today. Proverbs 19, 18. Chasten thy son. Watch this choice of words. While there is hope. What's implied from that scripture, if you dig into it and look, is once a child grows up a little bit, or as a child continues to grow, there's less and less hope of getting them to go the direction they need to the longer and the longer you wait to chasten them. Now, I never spanked my children when they were infants. I don't think. No, I didn't. But you know what? When I knew that they were old enough to know the difference between yes and no, Look, if that precious little girl, and she is precious, or that darling little boy, and they were darling, if they, if, I, if they could get ready to do something, I could look at them and say, hey, and call their name, and they'd be like, you know what that told me? They know. And if they're far enough long to know, then they're far enough along to be corrected so that they know right from wrong. That was my measure. If they think they can tell me, no. Oh. Really? It didn't take them long to learn that they don't tell dad no. Really? I wanted them to learn that quickly, right? They probably, I don't know that they got many spanking. I, I'm not trying to embarrass my kids this morning. I'm just talking to you this morning. I don't know that they got a whole lot of spankings for telling dad no. They learned that one really quick. You know what they learned? They learned the moment I say no, I'm getting swatted. You say, well, where's the mercy? Oh, I had mercy when I instructed them. But what was I doing? Correction. I loved them. And if I didn't teach them what disrespect of authority was at an early age, what do you think they were going to be when they got older? If they thought the one who was the God-given authority in their life at an early age could be disrespected while they were little, what do you think they're going to do when they get older? So I was teaching them right now, you do not tell your mom and dad no. Ever. You say, that's strong. You understand. I'm talking in the context of them telling mom and dad no, as in, I'm not going to obey you. I was teaching them the value of an authority in their life. I don't think my kids would say I beat them. I think I was a pretty fair father for the most part. I've had some people tell me I was really strict. I didn't think so. I loved my kids. I still love my kids. Did I get joy out of whipping them or spanking them? I did not. My parents, my mom would say, son, this hurts me more than it hurts you. I'd be like, mom, you're lying. You don't feel nothing. <laughs> I don't think I ever said that to my kids. 
But man, I understood what my mom meant. And it was harder spanking my daughter. I mean, my boys, I'm like, you know, toughen up. My poor girl, if she'd look at me with her eyes, I was like, nope, I got to see it through. Why? I love her. I love her, and I believe what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, if I love my child, I'm going to correct them. And it says that if I spare the rod, then I hate them. I'm going to read that passage. Chasten thy son while there's hope. And let not thy soul spare for his crying. It's an interesting interpretation in the King James or translation of the Greek or the Hebrew. That word, spare thy soul for his crying, it actually isn't crying, it's actually death. I'm going to read it to you in a few other translations that are closer to the Hebrew. Chasten thy son, seeing there is hope, and set not thy heart on his destruction. Give your son training while there is hope. Let not your heart be purposing his death. Correct your children before it's too late. If you don't punish them, you are destroying them. Discipline your children while there is still hope. Avoiding it can be deadly. Proverbs 22 and 15 says this. Foolishness. Anybody ever have your kids do foolish things? Just me. I did foolish things. Watch this. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. So how do you get it out? But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. It's interesting to me that King James always uses him and he. It's almost like us boys have got a bad rap. Proverbs 23 and 12. Let's hurry here. Proverbs 23, verse 12. Listen to the writer. Apply thine heart to instruction and your ears to the words of knowledge. Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. I'd had that quoted to me when I was younger. Please don't misunderstand today. This message is not about, don't make this message all about taking a rod to your child. I do believe the word of God. I believe spanking a child's aligned with the word of God. But watch. Verse 14. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. See, we've got to remember why we bring correction into the life of our child. This is about training them up in the way they should go. You say, well, why is, why is that a heaven or hell issue? Remember what I was talking about my kids telling me no? I'm establishing what authority is in their life. If they don't learn that at an early age, there's a pretty good chance they're headed towards hell. See, that's pretty straight with heart. It is. I want us to understand why we bring correction into the life of our child. This is about training them in the way they should go. 
I want them to have a respect for authority. Watch. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Now the father's talking about the result of correction. If thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Yea, my reign shall rejoice when your lips speak right things. Don't you love it when your kids say stuff and you're like, Dad, you sound pretty smart. Verse 17. This is the parent for the heart of a child. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Your child will learn the fear of the Lord if they have a little bit of fear of dad. A little bit of fear of mom. You say, you want your kids to be afraid of you? I want them a little bit. Now, I want to make sure they know I love them. My primary purpose is I want them to know I love them. And so they, I realized when they're, they were two and three and they were getting spankings and getting in trouble, they didn't understand that was love. They had fear. But as they got older, they looked back and they realized that was love. You understand? So it is with the Lord. For surely there is an end and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Verse 19. Hear thou my son and be wise and guide thine heart in the way. Proverbs 29 verse 15. Proverbs 29 and verse 15. And we're going to jump to verse 17. The rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child, watch what happens here. A child left to himself brings his mother to shame. Verse 17. Correct thy son and he shall give you rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. This pattern that we've read through and talked about, this pattern and this instruction of the Proverbs, hear me, it's vital to the life and the eternity of a child. It's vital. The basis of training and correction is that they walk in the way and not depart. And an undisciplined child will never learn to walk in the way. Isn't it interesting that in our society today, to even use the word discipline your child is considered a negative statement almost. Why is that? Is it because some would say, well, no one should tell me that I need to discipline my child. Okay, read the word of God. Let him talk to you. We need this instruction. And we're blessed. We have good kids. But guess what? A child left undisciplined? What do we call that? A what? No, I think that's true. I, everybody's like, what'd she say? What'd he say? Is that right? That's what you're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. An undisciplined child, we call them spoiled. What else do we call them? 
a brat, right? What? Right? We call, that's what we call an undisciplined child. We see that. And we see, man, that child's spoiled. They're a brat, right? And guess what undisciplined children do? They grow up. And guess what they grow up into? Spoiled brats. Exactly right. They grow up and become undisciplined, spoiled brats. I know you didn't expect this today. I'm in the Word of God. Sometimes we just need to be plain about what's expected of us. Practical and applicable. Right? They grow up and become spoiled brats. Right? What is it? It's what we just read about here. They have no fear of the Lord. They grew up without any fear and reverence in their home, respecting authority and understanding correction. And so therefore, they've grown up without any of that fear and respect of God and others. I remember when I was younger, and this is probably good, they don't do this anymore. But when I was younger, if I got in trouble at school, I got paddled by the principal. You remember that? Are you that old? Okay. Anybody else remember that? Anybody else get paddled by the principal? But Lisa's like, I remember, but I didn't get paddled. I remember, and I got paddled. I got my last paddling in fifth grade. I think that's when they took the paddles out, to be honest. But I did. I got paddled in fifth, in fifth grade. Mr. William Breeding was the principal. I still remember, man. He had a wooden paddle that had holes in it. Could you imagine if those were in school today? But I, I dare say, if you talk to Brother Joey Charles and Sister Priscilla Santos, kids act a little different in school today. No respect for authority. You touch them the wrong way, you're in trouble. Well, here's what happened. I hated it when I got a whipping at school. Because here's the deal. Do you think I went home and said, Mom, Dad, you're not going to believe what happened to me. You know, you know what they did to me in school? Uh-uh. I went home and I didn't say a word. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, precious Lord, don't let them know. You know why, don't you? Why did I not want Mom and Dad to know that the principal spanked me? Because I was getting it again. I still don't understand that to this day. But if I got paddled at school, I got whooped when I got home for getting paddled at school. That's what I call double jeopardy. What was my parent teaching me? Hey, if an adult and an elder corrected you, I'm supporting their correction. We can talk about whether they did the right thing or not later, but they corrected you. You're going to respect what your teacher says. You're going to respect what your principal says. And because you had to get a whipping at school, you're going to know I stand with them. Bend over. What were they teaching me? They were teaching some things to a child about respect for authority and elders and right and wrong. I had fear, Dad. My mom, I could be giving her a hard time. And all she'd have to say is, I'm just going to talk to your dad when he gets home. Man, I'd straighten right up. No, Mom, it's all right. I'm on your side. What do you need? 
We have children who've lost a fear of authority. And now let's shift. This pattern from the Proverbs of walking in the way, the fear of the Lord, the respect for authority. It's also should be teaching. Let's talk about this. Remember I told you we're going to shift. It also should be teaching a child to learn to value correction when it's given the right way. Love has got to be the motivator. Always given in love. Always given in love. Always given in love. You say, you mean you were never angry? Oh, yeah, I was angry and my kids knew it. I wanted them to know what they did made me mad. They need to understand that. I sought by the help of God not to whoop them when I was angry. I made the mistake of doing that once or twice. I was like, I can't do that. But I would tell them, you're getting it. Go sit in there and wait. I'll be in there. Why? I needed to get my anger under control, but then I had to come in and love them. Right? I wanted them to understand. How does a child receive correction? I'm trying to hurry, but we need to get this this morning. How does a child receive correction? Do you understand as a parent, you can shame your child to correction? You can guilt trip them to correction? You can use fear as the primary motivator of correction? None of those things should be our basis for correction. Love has got to be the motivator for correction. Love has got to be the motivator for correction. Correction must be a part of our lives. Now, why does all this matter so much? Beyond the obvious. Well, we've already said it. Children grow up. Children grow up. And they're a product of how they were trained up as a child. And so what happens is children, all of us as adults, we bring our history of correction into our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We bring our history of correction into our relationship with our Heavenly Father. You've heard me say it before for many years of my life. Early on in my adult relationship with God, everything I did for God, I did out of fear. Because fear had been the primary form of correction in my life. And so I saw God in that light. Mom, dads, when you're correcting your child... If love is your basis, and they know that love is the basis, then they bring that into their relationship with their heavenly father. And they understand when he corrects them, it's love, even though it's painful sometimes. We must train a child in the way. Go with me to the book of Hebrews. I'll finish with a couple more passages of scripture. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5. 
Hebrews 12 and verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh to you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. Why? Verse 6. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they, our earthly fathers, they truly for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But He, the Lord, chastens us for our profit. Why? That we might be partakers of His holiness. You want to be a partaker of the holiness of God? Then you've got to learn to love and receive His correction in your life. You know why some people don't want to hear the word of God? Because it's the word of correction. Don't try to tell me what to do. Not understanding. It's the love of God that's manifest in the word. And when the word of God instructs us to do something, it's not because he's against us. It's because he loves us. But we have those that grow up not wanting correction, not loving and recognizing the reason and the source of the correction from God. And so therefore they resist the word of God when it comes to correct. It's the love of God. But he says, if you won't receive correction, you're not even his child. And I've watched it. I've witnessed it. I've witnessed those that have resisted the corrective word of God and resisted the corrective word of God and resisted the corrective word of God. And what happens is they still... Love God. But the Lord no longer corrects them. He just stops correcting them. And it signifies, according to the word of God we just read, they're no longer his child. I don't ever want to get to that place. I want to. Now, I'm not standing here telling you, oh, I just love it when God corrects me. It just makes me feel wonderful. No, let's keep reading what the Word of God says. Um, so he corrects us, partakers of his holiness. Verse 11. Now no chastening for the present or in the moment seems to be joyous. Right? Nobody's getting corrected going, oh, this is so much fun. Keep correcting me. Keep whipping me, Dad. I love it. No. Stop. Stop. It's not joyous in the moment. But it's grievous. When the Lord corrects us right, it should go, oh, God, no. But watch. 
Nevertheless, afterward, after the correction, what does it do? It yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to everybody? No, unto them which are exercised thereby. I'm going to read it to you in the English Revised Version. You are children of God, and He speaks words of comfort to you. You have forgotten these words. My child, don't think the Lord's discipline is worth nothing, and don't stop trying when He corrects you. The writer reveals to us two things that happen to people when they receive correction of the Lord. Either number one is they don't value it, they don't think it even matters. Or the other side of that is I'll just stop trying. That's called pouting. I've done it, I'm guilty. I've received correction from the Lord. I'm like, fine, I'll just stop talking. I'm just going to sit in my corner. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the word. But I'm, I'm just going to. Isn't that childish? Sister Vanessa's laughing at me. I'd laugh at me too. But this is, the writer's telling us, these are a couple of things that can happen. Don't dismiss it like it's nothing. And don't just say, fine, I'll just stop trying. I'll just exist. Don't let that happen when correction of the Lord comes. Don't withdraw yourself. Verse 6, the Lord disciplines everyone he loves. He punishes everyone he accepts as a child. So accept sufferings like a father's discipline. God does these things to you like a father correcting his children. You know that all children are disciplined by their fathers. So if you never receive the discipline that every child must have, you are not true children and don't really belong to God. We have all had fathers here on earth who corrected us with discipline, and we respected them, so it's even more important that we accept discipline from the Father of our spirits. If we do this, we will have life. Our fathers on earth disciplined us for a short time in the way they thought was best, but God disciplines us to help us so that we can be holy like Him. We don't enjoy discipline when we get it, it's painful. But later, after we have learned our lesson from it, we will enjoy the peace that comes from doing what is right. I have watched through the years. Through the years, and I'm finishing here. I've watched individuals along the journey, many different places, that have received correction from the word of the Lord. Maybe in a setting like this, in a classroom or a sanctuary or teaching where the word of the Lord was clearly going forth and the man or woman of God, you're recognizing, man, the Lord's trying to reach, the Lord's trying to reach. He's trying to bring correction to a situation. I pray they're receiving. The Lord's trying to bring, I hope they're listening. Oh God, please let them respond to your word. And I've, I've, I've watched that. And I've, I've watched some respond and I've watched some sort of bow their back and harden their heart. And the end is death. I want a heart 
that's willing to receive correction. I can't sugarcoat it. I can't say, oh, you know, if I'm willing to receive it, it, it feels good. No, it doesn't. It's painful. The Word of God tells us it's painful. Why is it painful? Correction's painful because it means I was not right. I was wrong or I was headed the wrong direction or I misstepped or I made a mistake or and so but I understand the love of God is what's correcting me because he loves me and he wants me to be a partaker of his holiness and he wants to give me peace and all these things are a result of the correction of God in my life. And so if I'll resist the correction and the instruction of God, I can't have the holiness of God operative in my life. Do you see why it matters that we start with a child? This is why. This is the, as I would say, the conclusion of the whole matter. Stand with me. Revelation 3 and 19 says this. You know, the book of Revelation in these first three chapters is where the Lord is speaking to the seven churches. Revelation chapter 3, at the close of chapter 3, speaking to the church of Laodicea. This was a group of people that were identified as not being hot or cold. They were just lukewarm. Lukewarm. Not hot, not cold, just sort of. They were, they were the ones that were just sort of trying to stay in the middle. You know, I'll do enough, but don't ask too much of me. Listen to what the Lord said to them. Revelation 3.19. He said, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Another translation says, I correct and punish everyone I love. So make up your minds to turn away from your sins. Finally, this translation says, I correct and punish the people I love. So show that nothing is more important to you than living right. Change your hearts and lives. Notice what the King James says. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. And then the Lord, if you were to look at that in your Bible, if you have a red letter Bible, you see those words are in red. And then notice the Lord tells what the response should be to the chastening and the rebuke of the Lord. You ever wonder how you're supposed to respond to correction? What do you want me to do? The Lord tells us how we should respond when he corrects us. He says, be zealous and repent. Be zealous. What does zealous mean? Have a zeal for right living. Have a zeal to get it right. And then what? Repent. Repent is to change direction and start doing what is right. 
the Lord wants to lead and guide us. Wants us to be partakers of His holiness. And that comes through correction in our lives. Would you pray with me right now? Jesus, we need you today. We need your wisdom and your counsel. Look, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't. I, I can share these words today because I, I don't think I've had any one-on-one conversations with any of you recently where I've tried to, had to be the voice of correction. But I feel the Lord, may, I feel like as we're talking this morning, the Lord's ministering to us that some of you, your mind has gone to places where you've received correction and instruction along the way. Would you be willing today, if you haven't responded to it, say, Lord, I'm repenting. I'm repenting. I want to receive the correction of a father. You're a father that loves me. And when you instruct me and correct me, it's in love. It's because you know the end from the beginning. And I want to please you, Father. Let your word come. Let me be willing to receive correction with a right spirit. Let me be willing to receive your correction and instruction. Let me open my arms and my heart and my life in a manner that does so. So that my steps would be ordered of you as a son of God. As a child of God. In the name of Jesus I pray. In the name of Jesus I pray. Give us a heart that willingly receives correction. Trusting in you. Trusting in the why that you are doing it. Trusting in your word. Let me not make my own way, but I pray walking in your way, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. name. I share this example and I release you today. Several years ago, Bishop and I met for coffee one morning. And Bishop had to correct me in some things. I need correction in my life too, you understand. I'm as human as you are. He had to talk to me about some specific things that he had dealt with in prayer. That he had felt and he was concerned about in prayer. So he's talking to me about these things. And I'm struggling to hear them. I'm I'm trying to process it. And I I got all kinds of questions. I want want to ask 101 questions. Right? You know, our humanity oftentimes wants to ask a lot of questions so that we can maybe deflect correction. Why? Why not? Well, why him? Well, why her? How come? Why? You ever related to that as a parent? How come Sally gets to, but I don't? Sally's like the sibling, you know. And so we were having this conversation, and I'm listening, and I left the conversation. I had to go to work. And it just weighed on my spirit. And I went, and I'm I'm an overly analytical person at times. I went, and I sat down, and... And I wrote down every point from the conversation that had came back to me. Every point. 
where I felt like there was an area in my life where something had been shared that correction needed to take place. I wrote all these things down. I had a list of 13 different things. Now, you understand, let me be clear here. Bishop didn't sit down and say, with a heart, I got a list. He sat there and spoke with me. He's my spiritual covering. He's a God-given authority in my life. But as, he, as we had this conversation when I left and I went back and I was walking through the conversation and thinking about the points, I had 13 points that I came up with that I felt like were part of that conversation. I didn't share it with anybody. For three months, every day I would open my phone where I'd put those 13 points and I'd pray about those 13 points. I was... I'm not going to tell you, oh, God, do it. I was wrestling. I was wrestling with it. Was Bishop wrong? He wasn't. He was spot on. I was wrestling with it. My human nature wants to justify. My human nature wants to say, yeah, but. My human nature wants to. But my human nature doesn't see as far as the Father sees. The Father knows the end from the beginning. And when God gave me spiritual oversight, He gave someone spiritual oversight that can see further than I can see at times. God lets him see things and understand things I may not. And so I can receive the correction and instruction, or I can bow my back and say, you don't know what you're talking about. That doesn't make any sense. I'm going to tell you, there's a part of me that wanted to say, what in the world? But I had to navigate through that. I had to navigate through that. You know what the enemy wanted to do in that time? You think the enemy didn't wear me out? You know what? The Lord's using you. The Lord's hands on you. Might be a good time. Maybe this is the time you're supposed to part and go separate ways. And Subtlety. Subtlety. God is patient. Bishop was patient. And the Lord's still working on me. I want to receive correction and instruction the right way. I can tell you one thing I came out of that after the Lord brought me through all of that. I determined this. My response to correction in the future will be different than it was that day. By the grace of God, my response will be in the future. What do I need to do? Tell me what I should do. What would you ask of me? I want to receive it with zeal. Amen. Praise God. I love you. You're precious people of God. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.